0: with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, "'You brood of vipers!' Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able to raise from these stones children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. And every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hands. And he will clear his threshing floor. And will gather his wheat into the granary. But the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. On the day of my first communion, I fell out of a tree. It was at the babysitter's house, and I was climbing, and I reached for a branch, and it snapped right off, and I fell all the way to the ground hard. When my parents came to pick me up, I was still sitting on the couch, just Cradling my arm, and that, that, my friends, is one when uh, when one of the greatest debates in Ferris family history began. Because it was clear that my arm was hurt, right? But also that night was my first communion and my mom well my mom was an emergency room nurse had been for years she had seen everything nothing fazed her broken arm quit whining i've seen people with three broken arms <laughs> and so she uttered the now infamous words, words we still tease her about, when she let me know I was not going to the hospital that night because, and I quote, if it's broken today, it'll be broken tomorrow. (laughs) Too many of you are nodding at that. (laughs) All of my first communion photos feature me with a homemade sling the size of a bedsheet grimacing in pain at the camera <laughs> it was broken multiple bones in my wrist i had to wear a cast for weeks and i remember that as it healed my arm hurt like this like this deep down ache i couldn't get to my bone was being knit back together and it hurt Now, my wife Annie, who as many of you know is a doctor, said that this is because when the body is injured, it sends extra blood to that area to aid the healing. And that blood brings along all sorts of molecules and cells and organisms to fix things. Annie used all sorts of fancy doctor words. It was really impressive. And all those helpful things and all that extra blood also causes swelling, which leads to pain. Isn't that interesting? That healing hurts. A few years later, I was in seventh grade, and I got got really sick. Migraines, awful pain, slurred speech, exhaustion. I was in the hospital for weeks, some of the time in an isolation room because they didn't know what was going on, and they didn't want it to potentially spread. No one knew what to do or how to fix what was happening until they finally diagnosed it, right? They ran some test and figured out I had mono, which had spread to my back and turned into meningitis, and then spread to my head and become encephalitis. And once they knew that, well, then they knew how to treat it. And I started getting better right away. This year, during her fellowship, Annie is at home while on call a lot, and I hear as she orders tests, and uses different tools to figure out what's going on with her patients. At this point, even I can tell you the difference between a hemorrhagic stroke and an ischemic stroke, and how the treatment for each one is different, and that if you don't know which one it is, treating it could actually cause more damage and pain. By the way, you can learn about all this and more in my upcoming book, titled, Will the Doctor Please See Me Now? The Josh Ferris Story. (laughs) I've learned you can't really treat something until you know what it is. Isn't that interesting? That healing requires truth. In this morning's gospel reading, we heard John the Baptist prepare the way for Jesus by telling people to repent. Repentance is a word we use a lot in church, and for many of us, the word repentance comes with all sorts of negative connotations, brings to mind feelings of guilt and shame, embarrassment and fear. But this morning's reading encourages us to see repentance in a very different way, to see it as something that is actually quite good, something that brings healing and repair. It's significant that the very first word out of John the Baptist's mouth, the very first word spoken by the guy whose job it is to prepare the way for Jesus, the very first word was repent. Right from the beginning, we're being told that Jesus has come to heal and repair this world and us. And there's no doubt that this world is in need of repair, right? We see the brokenness. We know this world is not quite right. Things are not the way they should be, the way they could be, the way God created them to be, the, the way God intends for them to be. And I could offer you a long list of examples to prove this, pointing to poverty and hunger and inequality and violence and hatred and discrimination, but you already know it. The brokenness of this world, what we call sin, is one of the undeniably true claims that Christianity makes. This world is in need of healing and repair. And we are too. We may not like to admit it, but it's true. Most of us have been taught to hide our brokenness away. Our broken ways of thinking and acting that harm us and hurt others and deny the reality around us. Most of the time, we try to forget or hide the parts of ourselves that are wounded or hurting or bring us shame. But they're still there. We're in need of healing and repair. And this morning John the Baptist tells us that the road to healing and repair begins with repentance. Healing requires truth, an accurate diagnosis. Nothing can be repaired without first being clear about what is wrong. And that can hurt. Just being honest can hurt about it, honestly considering and acknowledging the truth about our world will force us to confront realities we would rather avoid or ignore. And to gaze at our true selves with honesty, to look within ourselves, to discover things we wish were not there, that's downright painful. But remember, healing often involves pain. And not all pain is bad. When we disinfect a wound, as we recover from surgery, when a, a joint is popped back into place, the, the realigning of a broken bone, all of these things hurts. But that doesn't mean they're bad. That pain we're experiencing is simply what we have to go through for things to heal and be repaired correctly, that's what repentance is like. Over the past few years, our country has talked a lot about the sin of racism and the right way for us to repent, heal, and make things right. These conversations have often been uncomfortable, certainly been uncomfortable for me but they've helped me to examine and confront things within myself, uh, attitudes, opinions, preconceived judgments that I've held. And I haven't really shared this much, but it's also forced me to wrestle with my family legacy. You see, before I was even baptized, I had already been made a member of the Sons of Confederate Veterans, My grandmother's family was especially proud of their Southern heritage. For a time, she was a head, the head, of the United Daughters of the Confederacy, a group you might have heard of. They're responsible for most of the monuments in our country that were built to intimidate the descendants of slaves and venerate the Southern cause. They are a group that has promoted revisionist history about the Confederacy and the Civil War, and has explicitly supported the KKK and white supremacy. I still remember learning about the Civil War and history class and coming home and having my father correct me, telling me that the accurate name was the War of Northern Aggression. I'm not responsible for the things my ancestors did. My grandmother died long before I could ask her any of the many, many questions I now have. But there's still no doubt, and it would be foolish and false to pretend otherwise, that this part of our family legacy impacted me. That it trickled down from generation to generation and shaped me in many ways, ways I'm still figuring out. And I don't like that. And becoming aware of that, facing it, learning from it, changing, has been painful and uncomfortable. But it's the only way healing and repair can happen. And so that means the pain is worth it. There's a professor at Columbia Theological Seminary in Atlanta named Stanley Saunders, and he wrote that Repentance is not one religious moment or experience when we come to God. Repentance is a perpetual state of readiness to challenge our commonplaces and the myths that we live by. See, repentance means being open to new things, open to new people, open to new ways of seeing and understanding, open to learning, and reevaluating and correcting, and changing. It means embracing humility, and acknowledging our own limitations, and owning our mistakes. And to be honest with you, it feels like I've been preaching about this a lot over the past few years. And as I thought about why that is this past week, I realized that it's partially because Living this way with this openness is just an essential part of the Christian life. But I've also been preaching on this a lot because it's so antithetical to our whole culture. Our culture right now is consumed by partisanship. Rather than openness, we see the constant hardening of views. And no amount of Repentance or genuine change that a person expresses is deemed enough to satisfy if they used to hold an opinion that was wrong, even a long time ago. The world around us too often seems to think that a person changing is a type of betrayal, that being open and curious is a form of weakness and heresy, that a willingness to learn and grow is something to condemn and fear. And that is just not consistent with the way of Jesus. It's not compatible with our call to repent, and it certainly will not lead to the healing and repair that this world and that we so desperately need. For that, we need repentance. We need honesty about ourselves, about each other, about the past, about our nation, about the world, sure, that will lead to some pain. But it will also lead to healing and wholeness and repair. And so, during this Advent season, may we embrace John's call to repent. May we see repentance as the path to greater healing, and repair. May we remember that healing often involves pain and that it always requires truth. And most of all, I hope that you, my favorite brood of vipers, (laughs) I hope you will remember God's promise that just because something is broken today does not mean it will be broken tomorrow. Because God is working to heal and repair this whole world and us and will not quit until the work is done. And please don't tell my mom I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Amen.